the way to Loch Lomond and back. Really? Nice. Yeah, just because I wanted to. Not um, bad. I didn't do it for any particular reason, but like I brought the book that that I was reading right now called The Power of Now because I thought yeah. it was quite quite like thematic for for. for for me to read the book in a place like Loch Lomond just because it's really really peace, uh, peaceful nice. and things so and like I really really enjoyed it to be honest but uh -huh. it wasn't enjoyment as an excitement it was enjoyment just as I was really really calm when, when I was actually cycling because uh -huh. like I would try and appreciate the, the scenery quite a lot and how um, because a lot of the actual cycle route it's next to like the river and next to the trees uh -huh. so it was just like me trying to appreciate oh look the, the, look at this beautiful scenery and it doesn't matter how long it takes me to actually get to Loch Lomond like I'm gonna get there eventually yeah. and we might as well like enjoy the ride as well nice what was it like prompted you to go all the way to Loch Lomond? Um, well, I went to Loch Lomond quite a few times before, like like with my dad, but I never actually did it by myself. And uh -huh. I think when you're cycling with someone else, or just like like journeying with someone else, you can't really kind of stop at your own accord and just like ad admire the scenery. Mm. Whereas when you're completely by yourself, you can go completely at your own pace, and you mm. can stop when you want, and you can go fast when you want. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I find that idea like really, really attractive, just because you can live, live your life, which is in the now, yeah. exactly how you want to, and you don't feel pressure to have to do anything. Mm. Which you know, you know, links quite well to your book as well, which is pretty, pretty good. Mm -hmm, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. so like, I read a chapter, and it was super duper peaceful. But um, oh yeah, viewers, this is called the Power of Now, and I think it's an amazing book. I, I, I haven't actually read through all of it. Like, I'm kind of like halfway through. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Right, so yeah, see, you know, your little story of going to Loch Lomond, it kind of gives me vibes of like childhood vibes. Mm -hmm. When you're just a kid, you can do whatever you want, you know, cycle where, wherever the hell you want. And yeah, I think that's yeah. kind of a golden time. Because I was talking to my granddad and he, I think he's lived some of his childhood. I think when he was like 11, up to 11, he lived in Pakistan, but in the village. Mm -hmm. And he was living like off our hand. See, the village life, oh, it was just, just not a lot like it. And yeah, you know, I think it's quite nice to just be able to go out and just do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you get caught up, especially when you're getting older and when you're an adult, you have to like run errands for other people and you always have to be mm -hmm. dashing about everywhere. Yeah, um, that's true. Whether that's for your career, whether that's for your friends. Mm, yeah. And if you're doing things be, uh, because of external factors, I don't think that's a good reason. Mm. Like, like the reason why I cycled to Loch Lomond wasn't necessarily to get to Loch Lomond and back. Yeah, and nice. to like post on social media and things. I like that. So that I can just tell other people, hey look, I've been to Loch Lomond. What, what have you been doing today? Probably not very much. <laughs> Got just, you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Damn. like I didn't tell anyone that. That's great man, uh, that's mostly, really good. And, you know, like it's kind of weird to say that I'm proud of it, but I think you should be because see what you've done is that you've just focused on the journey, which is what a lot of people can get. A lot of people can get caught caught up in where they're going, not on like yeah. the journey. Because let's say, I mean, we're all human beings, right? You know, we all have the capacity of life, but death also. So let's say we all have this goal that we're trying to get to. I mean, if we're just living for that goal, then let's say if for some reason you know our life ends then you know that mean that what we were living for was just practically for nothing right unfortunately but if you live for the now no matter whatever happens no matter what happens you know you could say that yeah you know you live you lived a nice life so yeah i think it's good to you know live for the now rather than 
mm, yeah, focus true. on the friggin' the because end point. Because there's no way to fail if you just yeah. live in the now. Because failing is based on our own judgments. Yeah. And what someone might think is a complete failure. Maybe you, you fail an exam. Yeah. One person could go um, back and just like be completely. Um, I completely devastated by it and yeah. just think that their entire life's over whereas someone else in that exact same position could just take that as a learning experience and study more for the next exam or yeah, exactly. know, know, know their weaknesses a bit more yeah. so failure is a completely man-made concept I don't right. think an animal just kind of ca- counts things as failures it's just kind of consequences for yeah. stuff yeah. and quite a good uh, I, uh, analogy that I like using I think I got this from a YouTube channel called Better Ideas or something like that. Okay. But um, those who say those who go to the gym mm-hmm. just for uh. um, their ability to like get get jacked and get buff, uh-huh. um, that's actually not a good way of approaching things because um, if you're going to the gym to get jacked or buff, that uh. kind of implies that you're not jacked and buff right now, mm. and that kind of implies what what do jack what do people who are not jacked and not healthy do? they don't go to the gym so you kind of assume that persona uh-huh. as someone who is not instead of someone who is uh-huh. and then that can act on your subconscious and then kind of yeah. cause you to do things that you actually don't really want to do mm. like like not go to the gym mm. so a better alternative would be I, I go to the gym because i value exercise or i go to the gym because i'm i'm a healthy person mm-hmm. So I think that's a better alternative than, yeah. than, than, than doing something just for the end result of getting jacked. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. I think that linking with the idea of just doing like, like the reason that you're doing something is because you have that deficit. So I think that can link in like with self improvement. Like if you're attending a self improvement class, like a self help class, mm-hmm. that means inadvertently that you need help, and that could like bruise quite some people's egos. So I think mm-hmm. that can then like deter the people who do need who do need help. To go and get help because maybe their ego might be too bruised to actually seek that help if they need it yeah i get you yeah, but, i yeah. guess you have to be quite courageous to actually admit that you do yeah need, need support because at least speaking from personal experience um i don't really like having to ask for help and things it's like okay. see like if i'm struggling in a math question in school mm. i would never like to actually raise my hand and admit that i can't actually do do, do this but and I think that comes from like like an evolutionary thing that we don't want to admit admit our weaknesses mm. because then someone could be able to capitalize on it mm, yeah. and then maybe kill us or maybe just com- completely defeat us. Yeah, it's like a primary thinking, isn't it? Like a primitive mind. Yeah, because like I've been reading this book called The Chimp Paradox, and I just like oh, right, yeah. You may, yeah, you probably like you know heard about it. It's by a guy called Professor Steve Peters. He's like a psychologist, so mm-hmm. you know it's up your ball ballpark. Hey, you exactly. Know. Yeah, in my territory. <laughs> Oh, he, he's, he's in your territory, Lewis, yeah. be, be careful. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, he talks about how we all have this primitive mind. And a part of that is like, we, we, we literally have our own territory. So I believe there was like an experiment being done and there was a, essentially two test subjects on a coffee table. And um, the, one of the experimenters, they purposely, they placed their objects, their laptop books, above this imaginary halfway line of the table. And the other test subject, they were like, observed as getting irritated because like see how we're like sitting we mm. primitively we create this imaginary line like this yeah, is true. it's kind of like right there yeah this is my stuff and this is your stuff exactly see you can see like this in my bag you're you know it's like we have this like little primitive mind yeah. which essentially like you know like places things like this is my territory that's your turf 
and yeah, it can also link with like other things. You know, like our eagle is a very primitive driven thing. Yeah, yeah I and see. And I think that um, this book actually talks quite a lot about it. Um, because yeah. It talks about how our uh, our ego and like the voice inside our head is almost like a monkey brain. Yeah. And it gets yeah. us to do things that aren't ira- um, that, that that aren't rational. Mm-hmm. And something that he actually tells us to do is to. Um, is to meditate quite a lot mm, because then yes. you're able to assume the role of the watcher that. and you can watch your thoughts and you can watch your emotions yeah. without actually judging them you can just observe them yeah uh, 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 like as they are thoughts uh, and emotions uh-huh, without yeah. getting too caught up in them yeah and i don't know that much about the actual concept because i still haven't read it all <laughs> and i'm sure that even after i've read it all i still wouldn't have totally um like taken in Mm-hmm. Um, completely all of this book because mm-hmm. it's quite a hard read to be honest. Mm, yeah. Not a hard read because it uses hard words. It's just kind of confusing because I think the whole subject of being able to um, completely dissolve your ego. Yeah. Is, is like quite a far-fetched concept. Mm-hmm, it is. But I think it's still a good read. Yeah. E- even if you don't completely agree with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think with things like these, it's like you can take whatever you can because like. Let's say if we just did completely remove our ego, I mean, to focus, you know, to like move on in life would be a bit more difficult, right? Because if you had no ego, if you had no sense of self-worth, then, you know, you wouldn't do anything. So, yeah, yeah, I true. think, you know, you need, you need to take... But if you're completely fulfilled just not doing anything, then is that a good thing or is that, like, quite a bad thing? Exactly. There's two ways of thinking about it. Because let's say it could be a good thing because, you know, you don't have any ego, but however, you know, but, I mean, you still need to, you know, do stuff. Like, yeah, you know, that's life. And something that like Eckhart Tolle talks about in the book is that you can, um, like it's not about completely, completely dissolving your ego. It's about yeah. having a better relationship with it. So mm-hmm. what you're able to do is, is in practical contexts, you can bring up. You you can bring up the past and the future, but okay. only for practical contexts. Mm-hmm. So so you don't become, uh, neurotic about mm. what what's happened in the past or what will happen in the future. You can just take it as like objectively instead of having to channel all your emotions into it mm-hmm. which i think is quite a powerful way to live yeah definitely it's like the reason we have memory is so that we don't do the same thing again you know the same wrong yeah, thing true. again so yeah i like that i back the idea of not having an ego because uh, see like it links with your little analogy that you like to give about like judgments because like if i had if i do have an ego and if someone if you come give me advice like hey Farhan you can do this differently if my ego's so like prevalent I'll be like oh screw you Lewis I know what I'm doing don't tell yeah, me true. all that's gonna do is you know it's gonna screw me up I'm just kicking my shooting myself in the foot yeah. and yes yeah, Soc- right, I'm gonna bring Socrates into it but see oh, I, know, I love that I, guy I really you know I've met him he's a pretty nice guy <laughs> but like yeah, Socrates, he was said to be such a wise man, not for what he knew, but it was he was so aware of the, what he didn't know. And it's like that paradox, isn't it? Like the person who doesn't know anything, they think they know everything. The person yeah. who knows quite a bit, they know, but they don't know. That was the same with him. Like what He was so wise because he knew he didn't know jack shit. And he was like so aware of his ego. So I tried to develop that. I tried to employ that philosophy in my mm. life. So All right, I, yeah. I'm always improving and like self-developing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. That's really, really good. Um, on, on another note, I think the viewers and you m- m- might have realised that I've completely changed up my uh, look The right big now. switch up, damn. Well, that's only because like my hair is a complete mess right now. Like, you, you, Are you saying mine doesn't? You, Come on, look. You can have a quick look at it, Oof. and you're like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're like touching so, one of those electric balls. Up, you yeah, know. Yeah, I know, right? Like, <laughs> like, I definitely should get a haircut, but just get one. Um, like I got a haircut by my mum a few weeks ago. Oh, that's nice. She, she. 
she she did quite a good job with it but the problem is is that in a few days the hair like kind of close to the back of my head just started like going straight up like that oh i hate Be- when that happens. because my hair is like really really straight <laughs> which means that when it gets long it just kind of goes like that and then i look like i don't know Einstein. some yeah so some some like crazy scientist who got absolutely shocked by some electricity. It's not the look you want to go for though. Crazy scientist. You know, switch it up man, 2020, 2021, who knows. Yeah, I get you. I mean, the world's pretty much ended. It doesn't really matter oh, what you actually look like. Feels like it. Oh, did you see see all those shopping centres that have been closed? Have you heard about that Brayhead, Trafford Centre? Oh, really? Yeah, apparently they've all like shut down. Like shut down for good or... That's what... See, seriously? I tried to clarify that. Like, is this for good? Because, you know, Brayhead, Tri- you know about Trafford Centre. It's in Manchester. Um, it, I don't really know it, It's a humongous is. mega mall. It's like, it's a huge Bigger than Brayhead, because Brayhead is quite big. It's anyway. like four times. It's like a mega mall. It's like owned by Arab people. It's like a huge... Oh, it's got right. like marble. It's just so like <laughs> flab, so flamboyant. But it was like, it, cause it's such a like such a prevalent landmark in England. And Brayhead, you know, such a it's been here for years. Ever since I was a kid, I remember Brayhead being there, yeah, and it was too. closed. It's like damn. It's like we're slowly pedaling backwards. However, I mean, maybe it's better for society because like if 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 everyone doesn't just congregate in one big building, you know, we'll be more inclined to visit the smaller local businesses. And local businesses might do well. Then, so yeah, yeah, like in some ways, going backwards a little bit actually makes people more part part of their community. Yeah. Because what happens with like the, the, these massive mega malls and like massive high rise flats is that people actually kind of lo- lo- lose themselves, but not like in a good way. Yeah. Not 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 like ego dissolution, but like they. But, uh. But but I think levels of loneliness loneliness has increased quite a lot just because mm. people don't feel part of a community and people don't feel like like there's anything to turn to mm. and and like if you compare the high-rise flat say in Glasgow in the 70s and then compare it to something like that <laughs> oh we dog um something like like the tenement flats in mm. the 1800s mm. like even though the tenement flats were basically slums and they were really really bad yeah but, but badly sanitated um yeah and like they had they had outdoor toilets yeah and people yeah. still felt like they were part, part, part of a community because of that yeah and it's kind of like moving on a little bit it's kind of fl- it kind of flabbergasts me like see britain we're a very developed country right everything's very you know civil but like mental health is still an issue it's like it's just it, it fascinates me because like you think you know the more developments you have logically thinking then the more happy that the civilization yeah. will be however you you do get like cases of like depression and anxiety and um not majority of people however there is like there's a sizable community of people who do suffer or have suffered from like depression or like anxiety and uh yeah man i just wonder why that is because maybe like the sense of loneliness wherever wherever it's coming from whether it be what you know it's just one of those things man and if yeah. we could somehow see why that is i think that would be great and maybe like the prop maybe if the solution would be looking at other countries which have lower cases of depression and anxiety yeah. like if i if i recall correctly scandinavia they have a pretty low case they're, they're they are a really happy civilization and also and um, there's a country that doesn't have an army Ooh. icelanders or greenland i believe um, I don't think Iceland has an army, just because it doesn't, well, I, like, Greenland definitely doesn't just because it's so sparse and mm-hmm. it's basically like really, really rural everywhere. I don't think it has like a big city, mm-hmm. so like, I wouldn't be surprised if Greenland doesn't have an actual army. Mm-hmm. But, but like, 
one of the, there's a country that doesn't have an army and they've like developed they've like invested more money in like education or something and their population is really quite happy so mm, yeah. I'm not sure why like I wonder what the cause of this could be maybe it's just like a feeling of segregation like, like feeling marginalized by society or not fitting in maybe you know who knows um, man this is I think there's a theory that um like like in our modern world because we have an abundance of food because mm. we don't have like problems such as hunger and starvation it means that the 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 future is guaranteed whereas mm. um if you live in a society where food is in short supply and water is in short supply then like like the future might not be guaranteed which means that you can't have a long-term problems such as anxiety and depression because you have to focus on what's going on right now mm. so it kind of has to push you into like the power of now but like not 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 in a good way because it's by fear and by like the fear that that, that you'll starve mm. but i think that's got something to do with it but but like it's multifactorial yeah for sure and it it's not is. based on just one thing and there must be countless of things that i can't think of right now yeah that we are not you know currently qualified to answer <laughs> Mm -hmm, yeah. yeah. Alright, anyway, um, moving on to another note, you said that you wanted to. Um, yes. You wanted me to ask some interview questions yeah, for you because yeah. you want to get into medicine. I would be delighted. That, that, that's actually really good because me and some of my, my, my medic friends have started a wee website oh. to like help people get into medical school. And we've, we've already made a few um, uh, uh, videos on YouTube I can show you right now. Oh nice, sounds really good. It's called Medic Middleman by the way. So so if you want to get into medicine, then look up medicmiddleman.co.uk and we'll help you out. For our first sponsor, well, yes. Yeah, I know, right? Actually, yeah, we, we, we can sponsor this podcast. Yes. But something, but something that we want to do with Medic Middleman is to keep everything free because we don't believe that things should be stuck behind paywalls. Nice. Anyway, so if you look up Medic Middleman, hopefully this loads. Oh yes, that's us. We've currently got 41 subscribers. Oh, very nice. Right here. And we've got a video called The You Cat in Under Three Minutes, in which my friend Hamza, not not the Hamza, not that Gardy, you know, yeah, but uh, Hamza who comes from London actually, um, he he recorded a few videos about uh, about study tips and the U Cat. So 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 if you want to check them out, then oh yeah, definitely. Then by all means, I will. I will and I'll be sure. helping us out as well by by giving us some more views and subscribers. <laughs> nice. Um. Anyway, so so a few interview questions for you. So I'll start Go off on. with, you know, the basic one. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to be a doctor? Well, the reason why I want to become a doctor is like I find working with the body so incredibly fascinating. Like, ever since I was young, I, I just always been enthused by the prospect of how all these seamlessly, how all these, like, incredibly complex bodily systems manage to so seamlessly meld together. I've always found that just so incredibly fascinating to learn about. And also, I've always been intrigued by the idea of always helping others. Like, whenever I was young, I, I always wanted to help others and do whatever I can to help other people. And it really brings me great joy to try and help others. Also, I'm enthused by the idea of developing myself, because I'm, I'm aware that medicine is an ever-evolving and consistently dynamic field. And that I would always want to develop myself and try to and try to learn whatever I can in my life. So, and I'm aware that in medicine, we're constantly learning and constantly developing ourselves, and I would want to be a part of a field which is ever evolving and always developing. Also, um, I've had my own experience with the NHS also. <clears throat> like, I've had a family relative. She was, um, I remember when I was a bit younger, when I was around 11, 12, she was quite, she, she had fallen quite ill. And this was quite an unfortunate event for me and my family. And I remember the, the pressure and the stress that me and my family were under, that we were under. And, um, I, I, and, and I remember being able to firsthand experience the, the teamwork 
and uh, the, the great communication skills of the NHS team. And the, thankfully, when all was said and done, and my, and, my relative, <coughs> and my relative, she was healthy and she was discharged, I remember being overcome with that feeling of gratitude for the NHS. And ever since that time, because I've always wanted to be part of that wonderful team of individuals who managed to convey such a wonderful feeling to other people uh, and that, that feeling of being able to help other people and uh, yeah Brilliant. that's one yeah. of the reasons yeah that's a really really good, uh, good, oh, good, really. good answer so, so so I've just got a wee question yeah. um, just about the way that, that 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 you study for interviews yeah do you try and think of the answers um, from the spot or do you almost like try and me- try and memorize different answers you tell me because just did it come across as i made it up on the spot like natural or did it come across um, as it came memorized? Off like like you memorized it a wee bit a little bit was it overbearing or fine um like it's not uh, like it's not overbearing at all okay okay like, like, like i don't think because i think what what the medical admissions team want is uh-huh. for you to actually almost prepare something yeah. because they expect you to yeah, uh, yeah because that's just putting yourself at an advantage mm-hmm. and and it shows that 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 you've really thought about it as well, mm-hmm. and okay. l- like I think that's a really good answer because I can okay. say, l- like it comes personally as mm. well. Yeah. And you. And the reasons that that you said, like it completely rings true as mm. well because mm. medicine is an ever-changing profession and, mm. like it does need a lot of teamwork and you mm. you, you you enjoy. Se- self-improvement mm. I'm, I, and I'm sure you can talk a lot about that mm. at depth mm. yeah. like, I definitely know that from the podcast mm. and yeah yeah so okay. like I think it's really good and oh, cheers. I might ask you another question right now sure I'll quickly say of course I'll quickly say my method it was like I just look up questions and what I tried to do is I tried to come with points and then yeah I do like um, go over what I would say in my head whether it be in front of a mirror just saying it to myself or saying yeah. it to an imaginary crowd of people and uh, yeah so yeah that's my method just repetition alright nice <laughs> but it's, it's never scripted it's always like mm-hmm. on the spot yeah, true. but however just naturally I say the same thing sometimes yeah of course yeah, yeah so I think the, the the method that I think you use um that, that, that I think you use is almost you bullet point the key points and then mm. you want to almost like like, like, like hit them off mm. but you don't use an actual script so yeah so the way you express each of those it's points it's natural you know it doesn't come mm. off as I'm ad-libbing ad libbing is better than just scripting yeah stuff, true because it know? means that yeah so so it actually does come from you and it's not like someone else prepared that script for you because mm-hmm. there'll always be questions that 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 you don't really know mm, yeah. the, the complete answer to but if you're able to to think on your feet which you definitely can mm-hmm. um, you can answer any question anyway mm. so the next question I want to ask you is why medicine and not something like nursing well for instance? initially I'd like to say that I think that nursing and whether it be nursing receptionist or even the janitor I think all of the roles of all the roles of the workers in the NHS are imperative to the fluid working dynamics of NHS. So the reason why I want to become a doctor is that because I've always I'm just so interested by the human body, like I've said. I love learning about the human body and the different types of systems, but moreover, I'm more enthused by the prospect of being able to be part of that team of individuals which are able to bring help and improve the lives of other people. And um, I believe that nurses and the receptionists, they are the backbone of the NHS. However, the reason why I want to be a doctor is because I'm personally interested by the body and being uh, and wanting to work with the body. And uh, yeah, I'm enthusiastic about the body. Yeah. That's a good answer as well. Okay. But I want to add a few things to that. Yeah, so, sure. Um, something that I said in my interview is that... Yeah. Um, 
the key difference between doctors and nurses is that doctors can prescribe drugs so there's another um, mm. layer, layer of problem solving okay. that, that, that actually goes above nurses problem because solving. you do because you have that very very bit, big responsibility mm. of actually determining what goes inside a patient's body mm. such as drugs and such as other things and supplements like that so mm. so there's another l layer of problem solving and mm. and more uh, and moreover that um lots of times doctors can have a very long-term patient doctor relationship <laughs> yes and, that, yeah. and and that also include um and that also increases like the 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 needs of problem solving skills and things like that mm. because you're actually looking at a patient's life going maybe from age one all the way to age age like 50 or 60. yeah so yeah that's one of my points that i've kind of made away a long time yeah personally i'm like oh i like being part of that patient doctor yeah. dynamic and blah 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 i'm actually gonna take my hat off because my head's getting really really warm and i'll try and make my hair look as good as possible but completely not completely no guarantees actually you're, i'm gonna have a little bit of water as well just because i'm really thirsty you're going for the drip drip and, drip and that's something else in the medical interview make sure you bring some water with you water well. yeah just, okay. just in case your mouth dries my mouth is dry right now just from those little things yeah i think it's natural so so i'll ask that question again just because the recording stopped for some reason. Yeah. But good thing I actually like, caught it. it. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, um, in the last 100 years, what has been the biggest medical advancements in your opinion? Well, in my opinion, I believe that medicine is ever evolving and that like, there's always constantly different discussions uh, uh, upon the different types of medical advancements which are happening. Like if we look at today, currently there are discussions about nanotechnology being used in the heart and also in the brain. Currently, what's in use are the stents, which uh, whether you have coronary artery disease, they use the stents to open up the valve and to and the removal of plaque. And uh, currently, there are discussions about nanotechnology. And in 10 years from now, hopefully, when I will myself hopefully be in the field of maybe surgery, um, nanotechnology will be something of common common discussions. And then 10 years from now, I'm incredibly excited to be to, to be able to witness what will be discussed in 10 years from now so i believe that medicine is ever evolving however if i were to only pick point what pick point to one of those incredibly imperative medical advancements i might say me personally i'm i'm really enthused by the brain and um i have this kind of theory that one of the most incredible advancements which are made are the ones which are made incidentally so there was a story, <clears throat> so me personally, I'm really fascinated and intrigued by the brain. And uh, across some of my research, I came across a story of an individual who he was having seizures. And the doctors, they tried to pinpoint which part of his brain was having seizures. And then they removed that part of the brain and then he stopped having seizures. However, he couldn't, um, he completely lost his short term memory. And whenever new nurses came in, he couldn't remember their names. So then the doctors, they tried to make the connection. Okay, we removed a certain part of the brain. No, wait, wait. What? Now you can't remember. So they made that connection that this part of the brain that they removed is to do with memory formation, new memories. I'll uh, stop you there. Yeah. Right now. Sure. Sure. So, again, that, like... that, 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 that's a good answer. But okay. what I heard a little bit is that you were kind of going over the the same turf um, quite a few times. Yeah, so I think okay. you said that you were really fascinated uh, uh, about the brain maybe three times. Yeah, quite a few so like times. You, I think. You only have to say that once. And yeah, okay, yeah. Maybe you can try catching yourself wh wh when you are repeating yourself, mm, mm. Um, because you do want to keep your answers as clear and and as concise mm. as possible. Mm -hmm. um, but 
but that was really really good again and, and something else is um, is don't get too daunted by when the interviews uh, when the interviewers kind of cut you off like that yeah no um, because I think the interviewers they have to get through a set amount of questions yeah yeah and you. so when when they cut you off it's not like they don't like hearing you yeah no uh, they get, just have to course. move on to, to different questions um, so, so see for that should see how I was going on I was giving like the background of medicine trying to mm -hmm. show some personal knowledge yeah. then I talked then I was going on to the story would that be relevant would, would that be okay and linking with the question of my most you know favorite medical advancement would that be okay to talk about the story of this individual who had seizures in his brain and stuff yeah I think so because it okay? kind of shows um, how much you've researched that mm, like history I suppose so I think it's really good that way but okay. um, I feel like the interviewers might cut you off before you're able to actually get, get to the that story. yeah I, I thought I was going a bit too long but, but, but I think the things that that you talked about with like the uh, was it the was it the the coronary arteries or coronary artery I, I, disease I think that was really really good because mm. it's quite in-depth and mm. it's something that I actually don't know about mm. so so if you're able to educate the actual interviewer about something oh. that that is really really good because it really shows that you've done your research and um, if the interviewer is a doctor if yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I doubt I would be able to. Something that I said in um, that question about the biggest uh -huh. medical advancements in the last 100 years, I talked about vaccination quite a lot. Nice. Because I think, um, That's a good one. Um, because I think preventative medicine and being able to prevent a, a disease before it, before it even infects you, I think that's a really, really good way mm -hmm. um, to uh, sa save millions and millions of lives. Yeah. Because if you find... Uh, a cost-effective vaccine. Uh -huh. Let, let's just think of measles, mumps, and rubella because that's quite a popular, po popular vaccine. Yeah. But, not um, with the soccer moms who believe vaccines give autism. Yeah, though. but 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 not only does does it save beds in the hospital, it saves so much money mm. for for the NHS and for lots of other um, he health services completely worldwide. Yeah. And I, I really like that answer as well. Yeah. So you you can always. Um, almost add on some of the things that I'm saying to you. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And, and, and you can add that on to, like, like your own answers. Yeah, anyway, sure. I'll try and come up with an ethical scenario right now, just for you. Nice. So, some eth uh, something about ethical scenarios is that you don't really have any wrong answers. Mm, yeah, um, okay, yeah. Like, as long as you can justify it. Mm -hmm. and, and even though it's not completely, although your answer may not completely align with, with what the GMC actually want, mm -hmm. then, but but it still kind of shows that you can think critically. Mm, yeah. And and that's what they're looking for. Anyway, so um, you're a GP, let's yes. just say, okay. and a 14 year old girl comes into your office for an appointment alone, okay. and she is asking for for contraception. Okay. Um, explain your reasoning about what 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 would you do in that situation? Okay. Well, initially, I would like to say that. Personally, she's under the age of consent, so she's under 16, <coughs> so I'm aware that I would need to try and get the opinion of the guardian. However, I understand that one of the, the main facets of medicine is uh, beneficence, and uh, I would want to think about what is best for the patient. Now, let's say if I refused her contraception, there are myriad different uh, factors which can come into play of this 14-year-old girl. 14 year old girl. I'm aware that for, that teenagers in general can be impressionable and can be under under pressure of peers. So if I'm and I must take that into my 
uh, decision making on what to do. Because let's say if I refuse her contraception, she may then also be refused by shopkeepers and then she may be put into the corner of having to have unsafe sex. Now with that, with that facet of medicine of being beneficent, I would want to keep that into mind. However, there's also the, the facet of autonomy. All patients, regardless of what I say or do, they have the right to make their own decision. However, that being coupled with the, the factor that this girl, she's only 14, I would need to make that connection and uh, I would need to make a reasonable judgement, including, I think I would definitely include the patients in a respectable and um, easy to understand way because she is um, she's under the age. However, I would also want to think about the beneficence of the patient. And, nice. Yeah. I will stop you there. Yeah, sure. That's a really good yeah. answer as well. Uh, because you were able to justify everything that that you were saying mm. and you were able to add in you know the four pillars of ethics yeah I that's it heard the words be- be- beneficence and autonomy which was really really good oh. um i think okay. i actually didn't get i didn't get that question in an actual interview but okay. um me and my friend murray who who is going into vet school in in school we were almost firing questions at each other ju- just for fun because oh, for because fun. i guess we're a bit nerdy that's good I'd, I'd, though. No, no. I'd be like doing that. One thing is, this is enjoyable. Yeah. You see, the thought of the interview kind of makes me crap my pants. But I like doing. <laughs> I like this though, because I do like critical thinking. I, I like debating. Like I've been part of debate clubs, like philosophy club. Yeah. I like that kind of stuff. So this is fun. <laughs> And, and you're very, very good at, at articulating, uh, articulating your thoughts. And oh. I think you're better than me at that, to be honest. you got to read more books. No, I'm joking. Yeah, I mean, reading more books definitely helps. And so when Murray asked me that question, what I talked oh. about, first of all, is I wanted to assess the capacity of, oh. of the actual patient, which is a 14-year-old girl. Because if she completely understands what, 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 what she's getting herself into, what I think the GMC would say is that you you should give you should give the contraception to her mm. and actually don't don't completely quote me because I'm not completely sure yeah, no, but um, I think something else is it's completely valid to say that you wouldn't tell tell the parents about it yeah if, that's if the girl fully knows what what she's getting herself into because that mm. kind of goes against patient confidentiality yes confidentiality is not Yes, I think patient confidentiality is quite a good thing. And non-maleficence also, because you don't... As well. Yeah, because I suppose you wouldn't want the, the poor girl to get into trouble mm, from yeah, her parents. So. But if you like, alright, yeah. Oh, yeah, true. Slightly, but, I guess. Um, but say the patient was, say, a 16-year-old girl, would you kind of approach it differently? Um, yeah, yes, I think I would. Um, so if she was 16 year old, I would, I believe I would employ the same medical ethics such as um, autonomy. She has the right, every patient has the right to make their own choice and beneficence also. However, I would also want to have the, the discussion with her so that she knows what she's getting into, that um, she's aware that she, that she should be able to make an informed, an informed choice. And um, I believe that I would try to do what's ever in her best interest. And um, yeah, I, I would just really ensure that she's informed in what she wants to do, and that she, and that she can make an, and that I'm doing what's best for her, and that, yeah, that's what. All I right, brilliant. Do. Again. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think I said all of it before, and I don't want to say it again. Mm-hmm. You yeah. get me. So, um, I, again, that's a really, really good. Uh, that that's a really good answer because as long as you're able to justify yeah, yeah. what you're actually talking about. 
and you get bonus points for for being able to talk about di different things. I think there's this one thing ca called the Fraser Guidelines. You you should look that up after we make the podcast Could because the Fraser Guidelines I think are guidelines um, actually di directly talking about the topic about um, giving um, contraception co co contraceptives to under sixteen year olds. I think so. Oh, I think. That is a really, really good thing oh, to uh, look I'll up. I'll try and remember that. Could you send it? Right. Um, I can WhatsApp it to you right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, just free because like. Yes, yeah, so it's called the phrase or guidelines. Yeah, because like, I I trust my mind to create ideas, but not store them. Mm, yeah. Because our minds aren't good at storing information. Yeah. So what I think about you is that you're you you you've got a very, very good baseline. Mm. And you've got a very good foundation mm. in answering a lot of these questions. Mm. Um, so I think to improve it, you can do some research into like the things that, 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 that I'm talking about right now, mm. and that will just kind of buff your answer a little bit. Mm. And you can use uh, you can use a lot of these keywords, and then the the actual interviews will be like, um, bingo, this guy knows what he's talking about. Okay. He, he, he has the right personality for a mm. doctor, and he's also done done his research. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I think. If you look up a lot of these terms and mm, I, 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 I like kind of, I, I like kind of, uh, kind of understands. I like incorporate it into my answer. These things. Do you know? Um, just another kind of semi-interview question. Mm -hmm. Do you know what nice stands for? Nice. Yes. Um. Sorry, I don't. All right. I do not okay. Know. So what nice is is the National Institute of Care Excellence. Okay. Okay. Um, so I think what they do is that they kind of they kind of have guidelines in which how doctors are supposed to act. Okay. Um. So that that's another thing. Nice. To, to, okay. To oh. kind of look into. Do you know what the GMC stands for? Yes, that's the General Medical Council, hey. and I and read over their rules, and uh, yeah, it's in a very incredibly easy to read and enjoyable read also. So yeah. Nice, good stuff. Yes. Do you know what the BMJ stands for? Yes, the British Medical Journal. Ah. I'm uh, an enthusiastic reader. Promptly read almost try to do it every day and yeah some very incredibly interesting articles if you allow me i may even talk about some of the articles that i've read in it all right we'll, we'll save that for later oh anyway um, on the patreon uh, so, <laughs> yeah exactly if you pay five pounds you'll get to hear our in-depth conversation about the bmj articles oh, that'd be insane <laughs> I mean, I'd imagine that <laughs> um so i've got one more acronym do you know what the bma stands for i don't i don't all right um the bma is the british medical association association so oh no Oh, I should have known that. Oh, damn. Okay, no worries. Like, I don't know I don't completely what they do, but I know that. Yeah, no, actually, I didn't know that. My dad's part of it, and and he said that you can actually join the BMA as a medical student. So that's something that I might do. If Incredible. I want to. Could you send me the names of all these? Sorry, because right, yeah, like these are all acronyms. Mm -hmm, yeah. yeah, I'll add them. And add I think these. those are the only four acronyms that 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 you really have to know. Cool. There's one more that actually piques my interest because my dad does a lot of work with them. It's called the LMC. And okay. what the LMC is, is the Local Medical Committee. And no. they are a group of GPs, uh, and they kind of represent GPs in their area. So my dad and a few other GPs, um, they're part of the Glasgow LMC. Okay. And what that is, is that they're, they're, like, it's almost like medical politics at that point. Oh, nice. But, but they're almost like the, the, the elected, um, the elected... Like party members. Yeah. Yeah, That's basically. That's so cool. For that actual area. So my dad, I think, is the LMC secretary. Very nice. And and they've been super duper busy during the during the coronavirus pandemic because lots of GPs are going to them with with lots and lots of questions and they expect them to actually answer those questions. So and that puts quite, quite 
quite a lot of stress. But I think my dad's getting by. Yeah. Because he's an absolute trooper. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I can't really think of any other interview questions. So, Farhan. Me too, man. Good stuff. Uh, thanks, man. Cheers. Nice. Anyways, I'm um, moving on to the next topic. Let's see, I'll try and think of something that's been happening to me. Right, yeah, of course, because I haven't talked with you in quite some time. I know. So there must have been something got uh, going nothing. on in your life. Uh, nothing happened. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, so one of my things, it may seem a little bit anticlimactic, but I got physical books yesterday. <gasps> no way, man! Physical books. and That's someone like you. I was, like, gobsmacked when I seen these books. Because I, you know, I read on my Kindle. My Kindle's so slim. Ergonomic design. Yeah. Easy to read. <laughs> Long battery life. And yeah. I just like, I would never have imagined that these books that I was reading were this thick. Because like the Kindle, oh, it just yeah. it just makes reading like so easily. Yeah, because it's really thin. Yeah. And you don't really get a sense of actually how, how long each book actually is. I'm like one hand, one finger's on top of it, leaning it like, on my like my tummy, and I'm just reading on my bed. It's so it's so relaxed. But I tried reading because um, I got my granddad to buy this book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective oh, People. Right. Yes, I've heard of that one. When I seen this book in my granddad's shelf, I, I almost like fell on the floor. This book was like this big. <laughs> it was like a bible. And yeah. I was like, this book was that big, but, but I enjoyed reading it so much. So yeah, but I like having these books on my shelf because it's kind of like a trophy now. Because right, I was true. beginning to have this existential feeling like, oh, I'm reading these books and they're just lost in this digital catalogue that I can't even see them. But now, I mean, like, I have yeah. these books there. Like, the two books that are there are Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Oh yes, I've also got that book as well. Yeah. I, I think I've got the hardback. Hardback, oh. Yeah. It's a massive It's a really book. nice, it looks really nice, the hardback. And the, the second Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets. I oh, think I, so fun. I've only read the first book, I think it's The Philosopher's Stone. It's good, isn't it? Well, I read that as a wee kid, but I just never really got on to the second one or the third one. Like, I've watched all the movies, obviously. Oh, of course. Everyone's seen the movie. Do you know what? I even seen the movie. Yeah, i seen, like, the last movie. And I didn't even know anything. I didn't even know really? anything about it. Because wow. at that point, I would just watch movies. Like, you don't think, you just, oh, there's a movie on. Just watch it. Like, yeah, you know, you don't even... Like, like, I never Think really got into that. that mindset of just kind of wa- watching movies a lot. and That's good. Like, I've got Netflix and things, but I just never seem to use it as much as other people. Yeah, same. I, I actually cancelled my... As sacrilegious as this may sound, <laughs> I actually cancelled my Netflix because I just don't watch well, it. Like, I think that's really good because you shouldn't have to feel like you have to get something or do something just because other people have yeah, it. Yeah, patch that. Whereas, um, if you're able to kind of de- delete things and unsubscribe to things... That, that that you don't really use that kind of frees up your resources your resources and money to actually go and buy something else that you would use more like if you look at my phone my phone's Sorry. literally like a bug phone do you know those happy bug phones say that again do you know those bug phones a bug phone it's like it has home one three buttons home do you know what i'm talking about all oh, right yeah but, but <laughs> because you showed me your uh, phone yeah it's literally out earlier all all of my apps are in one folder and that folder is on the second page so my actual home screen is blank it's just pitch black because like i actually thought it was so weird when you actually showed me it mm-hmm. because i'm so used to seeing like a phone with like 20 apps, apps. and apps and apps hold on i've got like apps, ah. apps, apps. i know ah. it just burns your eyes no. but anyway so your your phone it First of all, it's got a black wallpaper. It's black. And then you put in all of your apps into just one wee folder. One folder on the second page, so I don't even see on, it. On, on the second page as well, so like, you, you can literally only see like the phone app. And messaging or something. Phone and messaging. And I don't even use those apps. And that's it. 
Yeah. Like that's just so unheard of because I don't think any like not that many people actually ha- have done the same thing that you've done because phones and things it, it becomes so it becomes such like an integral part of our lifestyle now mm-hmm. that like it's so hard to believe that the like this phone screen would be empty mm-hmm. it always yeah. has to be filled with with like YouTube and like Instagram and Twitch and Snapchat and Google and Maps like and clocks and yeah I know right and that's so like that that's so normal for us mm. and but like I think the big shock that I got when I actually saw your home screen like it kind of shows something about uh, uh, about our culture and how mm. used we are mm. to like phones and things another thing about this little system that I've devised for my phone is that I think I'm saving a lot of seconds in my life because rather than swiping I'm just typing blah 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 and it comes up Yeah. so exactly. over time I'll be like saving hundreds of minutes mm-hmm, yeah of course because it's so easy say on Instagram just to get caught up and just swiping down and down and down because you see like new, new, new nuggets of, of entertainment it's, every single time I believe it's called an infinity pool mm, yeah, it's you can infinite swiping, you can keep swiping down uh, for as long as you want, and there'll always be like new, 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 new things to look at every single time. Because yeah. I think what Instagram does is that it doesn't um, show you posts based on time; it shows you based on whether you've seen them or not. So, so if you refresh Instagram, it will um, always bring you to new updated material. New stuff. And that just kind of makes like it didn't always used to be like that. I think it changed a few years ago. Mm. But, but but since they changed it, I feel like. The whole swiping experience just gets more and more suckered into. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like or just our second nature now, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And like, but, like if you're bored, you just pick up your phone and start swiping. Yeah, and man. It's just entertainment. It's such a way of life now, yeah. and I don't think it's a good thing. I'm personally, I'm quite grateful that I never found this Instagram that interesting or that entertaining, because yeah. like, it just didn't, man. And like. I think it's kind of odd, isn't it? It's like a paradox. Like, let's say when we were four years old, the thought of infinite entertainment was like, yeah, well, that was, was a dream. Crazy. And now we have it. We realise, damn, it's kind of... Yeah, it's actually kind of bad. It's kind of bad, yeah. Um, yeah, because we always desire what we don't have, but when you actually do have it, it's just kind of like, meh. Because we don't act, Because we always want more things now. Like, and yeah. I think someone like me and you, like, we just kind of... We, 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 we value self-improvement quite a lot mm. and social media just kind of goes against it because it just kind of says oh look you can just swipe forever and you'll be constantly entertained it's like eye candy it's like have you seen that movie Wally? oh yeah just sit there you can be immersed yeah it's basically that and um, I think Wally humans have devastated the earth so much that they have to go on some mad spaceship and just kind of li- li- live life sitting on one seat which just kind of goes around everywhere so they don't have to do anything man and this is trippy but have you seen that movie ready player one? Oh, um i've read the book yeah i'm reading um, that as well four times it's such a good book right oh my god um like it's one of those books that i read every single year um oh, because nice. i love it so much it's a good actually book, i've right? got so much to talk about it now nice. oh my god but, let's um, talk about it because i'm reading it as well i'm about 60 percent right. of the way so oh really nice it's, it's so, pretty good like I won't spoil anything, but I just think the whole idea is just so cool, mm. and it's almost like I hope our world doesn't get into like a place where our world is kind of like the same world mm. as in Ready Player One. Yeah. That'll be really bad. I would. Um, but again, it's similar to Wally. It, it, 
it's like we've devastated our world so much because I think they talked about like glo- global warming being really really bad mm. that they have to retreat to some other world and universe. That would be terrible, man. Um, like it just kind of like it's really irresponsible. It is right. It's quite cowardly as well. Rather than facing your problems, you run away from it. Okay, yeah. run away from it. Let's say you have hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay, go to Mars. Then another few couple decades, couple generations. Where are you gonna go then? Yeah. You know, you can't run away from stuff ever. You can just, it never yeah, works. True. You need yeah. to yeah. Like, because there's tackle always the part problem. Of the mind that will inherently feel guilty about it, I think. Yeah, yeah, there's guilt as well. Imagine that burden of you. Sometimes we can feel guilty for like doing one person wrong. Now, if you run away yeah. from a whole planet. Yeah, it's just different. That's though. just different. But, I mean, I feel like running away from one person might be harder. Pa- pa- paradoxically because because you have the saying like one death is a tragedy a mm. thousand deaths is a statistic so it's almost like the, the bigger you get the easier it is to avoid responsibility mm. because you can always just blame it on someone else yeah you know? it's like oh the, the, the destruction of the earth what wasn't to do with me it was to do with the president of america you like it's really easy to say that and the president of america can say wasn't to do with me, it was to do with you. Yeah, exactly. And so it's back it's and forth. Constant back and forth, exactly. So, um, there's one part of Ready Player One that kind of struck me. Like, I'm not sure if you've got to that part yet. Um, ha- have you got to the part where where, where the main character kind of moves house into an apartment? Yes, I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. And there's that part where he actually has to go through a full, like, really hard wor- wor- yeah, workout workout, routine yes. in, in order to actually log into the, the, the oasis, oasis, right? Yeah. Like, I just think that's like it kind of screams self improvement, self improvement. Because I think Wade Watts, the the main character, like he values his health and he actually has hit his priorities m- more or less straight. Mm. I think. Well, the thing is, did he value his health or did he just value his oasis? Because I believe, if I recall correctly, the he done his. He done his exercise so he could fit into his oasis. So oh right. Remember? Yeah. So I think I missed that bit of information. Um, yeah, I get that. But. So, but I mean, no matter what, it done it done him good. So yeah, man. If you want to improve yourself, if you if you need an incentive like that, by all means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do and, it. Like it's like see Wade Watts. Um, for the past like maybe five years, it was just him trying to f- like, yeah trying try, try, trying to hunt for the egg, and that consists of him just being in his wee room. Hit, his wee hideaway, just kind of playing video games all day, basically. Yeah, and watching movies and um, shit. But the thing is that, like, he wasn't actually that sad, um, because because he had meaning to, yeah. to, to, to his life, uh, and he had a dream, of course, as well. Yes. And like, if it was a slightly more sad book, what would have happened is that he 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 would completely fail in his quest and he would like die and things. But yeah. um, but I think the book is almost like. Um, like a coming of age story and a person f- f- finding his dream and his dream becomes true. Yeah, it's like a classic Hollywood story, isn't like it? Like it's like The Great Gatsby, but Gatsby's actually a success, <laughs> almost. Yeah. But 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 anyway, um, I think the movie Ready Player mm. One was so much worse. Really? That that actual book, yeah. I I don't like the movie that much because it misses out on so much of like the eighties pop culture stuff. Uh, I see. Because there's lots of references and. There's this part of the book where they have to reenact entire movies, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's so cool. And they couldn't really do that in the actual movie because that would be boring as hell. <laughs> I know. Right? It's like um, w- watching an entire 
movie inside a movie. Imagine having to pay for the copyright for that. Oh my god, it would be absolutely <laughs> astronomical. <laughs> the movie done really well, but they broke even because they had to pay <laughs> friggin' hundreds of millions of dollars for the yeah. other. Yeah, so. But is this the first time you're reading through? This is my first time. One? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's really it's, nice. It's a wonderful book. Um, like, see if you read the book and then watch the movie again, you just realise all of the shortcomings of the actual movie. I haven't seen the movie though. And the movie oh, looks too. No, and the movie looks really good to me. I actually heard about, knew about the book from the movie, so it's one of those. Alright, I get you. Well, with the movie, it's it's directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, he's think, a friggin' amazing oh, yeah, director. But, but, but he's not a video gamer, and I don't think he completely uh. understands, like, the gaming culture and things. Um, there's one part at the beginning of, of the movie, so I think I can spoil it because it's been out. Uh, but there's this part where, um, so they they changed the story about getting the bronze key, I think. So, it, so, uh, the copper, copper? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, so the copper key. My bad. So instead of having to go into this massive um, wee cave, yeah, things, yeah, the what, what they do is that they have to win a, win like a racing game race, almost. Like, and, a, like a race race? Yeah, like a race race, or like okay. a car race, so I could find the words. Man, um, why could they not make a cave? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and, sort of, I suppose. And um, the actual way to beat everyone is actually to go backwards, because there's like a wee shortcut oh. but, 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 but behind the actual starting point. And I just think that's so stupid, because, because in actual video game culture, that would be one of the first things that people would try, it, uh. it, 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 is to go backwards and try to break the game that way but yeah so it's super obvious to gamers like like, like, like me to but you. to maybe a director like Steven Spielberg it would be like oh this is so amazing oh, genius genius yeah, it's like absolute genius but it's not though and I think there's just so many of those things in the in that movie where they don't quite get it see for I me I think when it comes to games I'm more of a lay person, so see for me, going backwards, I personally wouldn't think of it because I'm kind of a, I'm a noob, I'm a, I'm a lay person slash noob at games. However, see the movie terms of speaking, I believe just moving backwards for a movie is kind of like a cop out. It seems like for some reason the studios, they wanted to save some money and they yeah, didn't exactly. want to create a... Because the story in the in the book is so oh, sick. Oh, it's amazing, like, right? Oh, Be bro. Because it's a proper adventure. And there's and that huge king in, involved, yeah. the knight, and oh, that's some really good material. And to yeah. substitute that for a race, it's like eh, yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah, it's a bit of a cop out. And something that I love doing with the book is just kind of like doing a bit of research into what the games actually are because they play this uh, yes. game in the book called Joust. Right? Yeah, that's like the, the game. So, so, so I looked it up and it's actually pretty cool. Really? And then I scrolled down into the comment section and people was like, I, I'm here from Ready Player One. Who, who else is here from Ready Player One as well? And then I kind of replied, yes, yeah, me too. And they are um, best friends to this I day. <laughs> Alright, starting so you can start with what you're going to say again. <laughs> Alright, so I have been seduced by JK Rowling with her hat. Yes, <laughs> by her Harry Potter series. Yeah. It's very interesting. What what books have you read from the Harry Potter series? Well, I've done the first one, Philosopher's Stone, The Chamber of Secrets, the second one. Currently, I'm on Prisoners of Azkaban. Oh, that's the third one. Right? Oh, I'm getting shivers in my spine. Oh, nice. Some of the images are very creepy in a really entertaining way, and I, and yeah. I like it a lot. And I've heard, just by talking to other of my acquaintances who have read Harry Potter, that Harry Potter, over the books, it gets increasingly, increasingly more dark. Yeah. I hear. So, yeah, it yeah. does. 
and, and you can kind of see that in the movies as well because in the first two movies um the actual lighting was like really mm. bright and it was really warm the kids were, yeah yeah exactly so that nice. kind of re- reflects the, ch- the childhood innocence of harry potter and ron weasley and hermione granger oh hermione she's so cool <laughs> And yeah. then Emma Watson, if you're watching this, you can be a guest anytime. Oh yeah, just come, come to Glasgow, come, come to Kelvin Grove Park. We'll handle security, whatever you need, limo, yeah. Wayne. We'll get a Christian there just to act all hard. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, but like, as the movies go on into episode, um, into part six and part seven, like the lighting actually gets really, really dark and really cold, so you can actually see Ooh. how it changes and how. Like, nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> like right. it gets proper dark. See what I like about Prisoner of Azkaban is that Harry Potter, he's just turned 13. So he's in that age, his hormones, he's getting a little bit naughty, a little bit yeah. cheeky. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's so funny because uh, one of the first you know pivotal events in Harry Potter is um, he runs away from his house. And, oh, yeah. And, and that's, such a, that's such a teenage thing to do, right? Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and I love that development of Harry Potter and all of his friends, from children to you know, getting becoming teenagers mm, and yeah. adults eventually. I think John like Peterson that. talked a little bit, uh, a little bit about Harry Potter. Really? Like, <laughs> of course he did. Harry Potter's a good guy, right? B- yeah. B- because he's supposed to be a hero, but he gets into trouble quite a lot. A lot. Yeah, gets into tr- uh, like he gets into trouble so much, and that kind of that kind of illustrates the fact that being harmless and being good is not the same thing. It's uh, something that something uh. that something that John and Peterson says is be dangerous, but choose not to be dangerous, right? So, so you have the power to commit great evil, and ha- Harry Potter's literally got evil inside him yeah. because he got the scar, and he's half Slytherin, I think. Yeah, I mean he speaks snake tongue, yeah, like parcel exactly. tongue, like, like, like he talks to snakes, <laughs> yeah. right? And that's like so symbolically evil. Yeah. So he's got the power to actually enact great evil, but he actually chooses it for good. Yeah. And like he's definitely not harmless, which is why he gets into tr- uh, in, in, into trouble so much. And he's quite mischievous, and then he goes to p- he 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 like trespasses so much, right? I know, right? Bloody hell. Mm-hmm, yeah, but but he's actually like a good person inside, obviously. Yeah. And and it just kind of shows that people who are, who are completely harmless, they can't do anything good because they can't yeah. do anything full stop. So, so true, right? So, like, like, if you feel like you can't do much, then what you have to do is almost, like, engage your inner demon and then... But, but then decide it, decide to use it for good, you know? Wow, man. I know. Like, it's super philosophical. I, man, that's incredible. I barely deciphered that meaning from Harry Potter, but I'm so glad that there is that meaning. Because that did... It was quite prevalent to me that Harry Potter, he's... Kind of going against the grain quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, exactly. Because he's doing stuff that he's not supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I can link you and the viewers the the link for for that for that Jordan Peterson video because I think it's really. really yeah, good. no, that's really that's quite good. Okay, one on a lighter note, I think one of my favorite Harry Potter or like mischievous events is when he like turns his aunt into like a big balloon. Ooh. Uh, when was that? This oh, is in Prisoner of Azkaban, near the start. And the aunt is just like chatting, talking rubbish to Harry. And Harry, you know, he's a teenager. Yeah. And he turns her into a big balloon. Oh, oh right, yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny. When you said aunt, I thought 
an actual ant. An ant. I was like, I should have been more specific. Turning a tiny ant. Ant Marge. Marge. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but. That, that actually reminds me that I should probably um, re re read a lot of the Harry Potters. It's well. so much fun, because right? Because you get so much detail from from actual books mo more than actual movies. Yeah, Joe, you know I actually. Um, sorry for like plugging myself. Nah, don't, but, I mean, don't worry. For Anahama2001.com. <laughs> no, but um, I wrote a blog post about like movies and books, and I talk about how in movies um, it's like you have this one frame. You just see someone scared, that's it. But in a book, let's say J.K. Rowling, she might give it a metaphor like his heart was pounding out of his chest, yeah. then there'll be the atmosphere of the room was cold. Yeah. And these layers of fear are so much more in-depth than a movie. Mm -hmm. And you can also see that in the, the time of consumption. In a movie, max two hours to watch. A book takes about eight, ten hours. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. In a matter of days, and that's such a journey, you know? So. Yeah, true. I it almost feels like you're there with them because I love that, especially right. movies that are written in the first person it's like you embody the main character yeah. i think in ready player one it, it, it is written in the first person so i means wade watts yeah and it means that you can actually feel the same emotions that wade watts is feeling at that moment as well whereas watching the movie is kind of like you are removed from the experience and you're just definitely do things yeah i kind of just feel like yeah i'm just there looking this seems a bit yeah. dis it's kind of there's this layer of like separation. Yeah, exactly. Which I see between the screen. And like it's not a bad thing. No, but of course. it's just kinda what happens with movies. Yeah, know? yeah. I think books have a lot uh, have a lot more flexibility. Because yeah. they are words and words are our principal means of of communication. Yeah. You see me, I kinda I'm for I was kind of late to jump on this book bandwagon. You could say I was quite late to start reading books. And when I like, yeah, but when I actually got into books, I was like, whoa! This whole, all this time, there was this incredibly immersive mean of uh, me this incredibly immersive medium of entertainment. And yeah, it was just such an eye opener. Speaking of movies, I watched this really entertaining movie last evening called The Poker King. Polka King. The pol I don't think I've heard of it. Polka King. You may not. It was, it was kind of like an indie movie with Jack Black in it on Netflix. Oh, Jack Black. OMG. It was such an entertaining movie. And it's a what? Might give it a watch. Yeah, the Polka King. And it's about Jack Black. He's a pol He's like a Polsky dancer. Do you know the Polsky dancer? The Polish dance. I like, think I've definitely heard of appa, it. Yeah. Appa, he, he. <laughs> they do that kind of dance, and he has this an elderly demographic. However, his elderly audience, they invest a lot of money, a lot of money in him. And this polka king, Jack Black, he's doing some dodgy stuff, but he's like this really happy-go-lucky guy. He's like, oh, everything will be okay, be okay. Yeah. Oh, I love you, yes, yes. And he's like really, really over the top. Then, yeah. the, then the police, the government's on him. But then it's just a really great journey. However, the polka king, Jack Black, he has his wife, and she's like, you're, she's like, uh, she kind of looks kind of Asian to me. It's like she's a little bit like like of her tanned stuff, you know. But yeah, I re she had this like proper American accent. Yeah, and she just reminded me of a girl that I talked to, and it was quite n it, it was quite nice, kind of like making those parallels. And it really took me back to that time yeah, of, <laughs> when I talked to yeah. her. Like it just random things, <laughs> and like it might yeah. affect you in like a completely different way than it might affect someone else. And I think that's yeah. that, that that's the beauty of like art is that 
through your own experiences, you get different things out of that movie than someone else. Yeah. Anyway, I just I've just realised that we're currently one hour and three minutes. No that way. went by so fast. Yeah, right? man, it seemed like nothing. And like we talked about so much. Yeah. All right. Anyway, this is Lewis Sip from Tangent Podcast <laughs> signing out. I'll catch you guys later. Bye, guys. This is Farhad Mohammed, and see you again next week. Thank you.